This is Shifting Our Schools, Episode 40, Seven Ways to Be a Lifelong Learner. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to Shifting Our Schools, and thanks always, as usual, for listening, and hope you are all doing well here the last week of February. So hard to believe I don't know where February went, but uh, we're already headed into March here. So uh, for me, uh, specifically, it's been a great month. Uh, I spent the month out consulting, had three conferences, uh, spent a week in Boise, spent a week here in Seattle, and then just got back from Portland. And so uh, always great to go out. February seems to be conference month. Uh, always great to meet new new teachers, catch up with old friends, and continue to spread our message, our ideas, and our theories around authentic, purposeful use of technology in the classroom here at Eduro Learning. I'm also proud to announce that Flipgrid is our first sponsor for the Shifting Our Schools podcast and the first podcast they have sponsored. We are so thankful for their support and for creating such a simple-to-use tool. And I thought I'd share a story real quick that I heard from a second-grade teacher in the way that she used Flipgrid with her classroom. She was, uh, this was back in October, right around Halloween, and so she had her second-grade students, they were working on reading with expression, so she had her second-grade students record three Flipgrid videos, and if you've used Flipgrid before, you know that there's this sticker option, and as a teacher, you can turn stickers on and off. But she used the sticker option with her second graders, and she was having them practice reading with expression. So they would create one video, uh, one flip grid, that one flip grid video that they would read with no expression whatsoever. And then they would use the ghost sticker to say that was their reading with no expression. They'd then read the same passage with the perfect expression, and they used a pumpkin sticker. And then they would do a third one where they read with too much expression, and they used a sticker with a witch on the broom. So you can imagine as a teacher, you end up with this Flipgrid board of all of your students' readings with three different levels of expression. And the way that you can use that as an assessment piece to me, I think is just incredible. I just love that idea. And kids can actually listen to each other's passages. And you know, because of the sticker, whether this was supposed to be not enough expression, too much expression, or just right expression, just a great, to me, a great way and an innovative way that teachers are finding and using Flipgrid. So as always, you can practice using Flipgrid. If you want to see how it works, you can head on over to sospodcast.org slash questions, or if you go to sospodcast.org, there's a question link at the top. If you've never used Flipgrid before and you want to just see how easy it is, you don't have to sign up for an account. Um, I have the account as a teacher. You just go in, click the big green button. It's as simple as that, which is what makes it so great with kids. Now, once you've done that, you're probably going to be hooked. And we are so proud that with our sponsorship with Flipgrid, you can get a free 45-day trial of Flipgrid Classroom, which is, I believe, a $65 a year option, but you get to try it free for 45 days. All you have to do is when you go to checkout, enter the promo code Eduro Learning. That's E-D-U-R-O Learning, all one word, at checkout, and you'll get 45 free days of the whole Flipgrid classroom. So give it a try. So many innovative ways. And if you're already using Flipgrid with kids or you try it with students, come back and leave us a you know, leave us a, a Flipgrid note saying that, hey, I tried this and it worked really well, or leave us a question or a comment on our website or on a podcast. We always are excited to hear about all the innovative ways that teachers are using technologies. Um, and again, Flipgrid just makes it so easy. Um, also remember that uh, our sign up for our Eduro Learning Newsletter if you haven't. Uh, it's a must-have. We are getting ready to launch our 30 days of free PD. There are going to be videos and PDFs and how-tos. Just yesterday, I recorded 10 videos that are going to be given out. And the way it's going to work is we're going to give you an email every day for 30 days. Uh, Kim Cofino is making uh, 10 of them. I make 10 of them. And Chrissy Hellier is making 10 of them. And so you're going to get 30 days of free professional development. But you have to sign up for the newsletter in order to be able to 
uh, be in the be in the system so you you get that. So please head over to Eduro Learning. That's E D U R O Learning dot com, and you can sign up there for our newsletter. Also, if you are an instructional coach or a TOSA, Kim Cafino's coaching micro credential is getting ready to launch. Uh, she's been going through this launch sequence for the last couple months. Fantastic videos on YouTube. If you've If you are already part of our newsletter, you've seen some of the incredible stuff that she's been sharing on tips and tricks. And what we're doing and what we do here at Eduro Learning is we believe in long-term professional development. We know that one-off professional development doesn't work. So we've created the coaching micro-credential. And Kim Cofino uh, runs this with Diane Biabat. And together, they oversee our micro-credential for coaches. And the way this came about is all of us are work coaches. We were all instructional coaches, tech coaches, or TOSAs back in the day. And what we find a lot is schools, when the schools want to have a tech coach, they usually take a teacher that is good at using technology, and that becomes the tech coach for the district or the school, which is great. There's not a problem with that. The problem is it very rarely comes with any actual theory and knowledge around what does it mean to be a coach. And I'm here to tell you, just because you're good with you know students in the classroom, there's a different dynamic when you're with your own peers and when you're with adults. And that's really what this micro-credential is. It is a deep dive into coaching theory and practice. You get to be with other coaches, bouncing ideas, understanding how do you create those relationships at a peer mentoring level to help you get into classrooms and do your job. It is great. Kim and Diana are fantastic at it. We've been running the micro-credential now for over a year and really worth your time and energy to take a look at. If you want to find out more, uh, again, if you're already subscribed to the newsletter, you've seen this come out. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, you can go to sospodcast.org slash coaching. That's sospodcast.org slash coaching. And that will link you into where you can see some videos from Kim and videos from Diana. Get more information on what this is coming. You can't sign up yet. We're getting ready to open up registration soon. So you're going to want to be on the mailing list, take a deep vibe. It's an amazing program and we are seeing amazing results and hopefully getting some of the coaches and TOSAs that have already gone through the program here on the podcast soon to talk about their experience as well. So again, uh, that's just some of the stuff that we're working on here at Edera Learning, as well as again, just trying to promote uh, you know as much free and professional development as we can. So this week, uh, a friend and one of our newest Eduro consultants who's helping out with some of our consulting with school districts that we have those long-term contracts with, Ken Pendergrass, joins me for a conversation on tips and tricks we used to remain lifelong learners in this ever-changing landscape of technology. It's a great deep dive. I hope you enjoy it. And on with the show. This week, we're going to be talking about Ways to stay a lifelong learner, building upon last week's uh, video by Kim Cofino, one of our partners at Eduro Learning. Uh, if you haven't watched that, that video is getting rave reviews. Kim really dives into um, why it's so important for us to be lifelong learning. And then Ken and I today are going to um, just build upon that by looking at some of the tools and some of the ways you can stay being a lifelong learner and just some of the things that we do as a lifelong learner. And so with that, I'd like to introduce our guest today. Uh, luckily, we're on the same time zone. That doesn't happen very often <laughs> for us, but yeah. Ken is uh, is here in Seattle with me. So, uh, Ken Pendergrass, please take it away. Introduce ourselves to you. Right. I'm Ken Pendergrass. I'm a teacher here in Seattle Public Schools. I've been teaching oh, for almost 22 years. Um, right now, I'm currently teaching elementary school and loving it. Um, Loves the recorder, right? The recorder is your favorite <laughs> instrument. <laughs> a hot cross buns is <laughs> on my on my top list. Um, <laughs> funny because I was just telling Jeff I had an orchestra concert last night, and it really doesn't matter what instruments. Hot cross buns is like in the top five of beginning instrumental. <laughs> um, but I do teach general music, instrumental, and choir. I'm really fortunate at the school that I'm at to do all of those things, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, I'm also a content demonstration teacher for the visual and performing arts. And that means that, uh, and actually this is the first year we've had a general music teacher, which is really cool. Um, teachers can, who are want to see what's going on or are new to teaching can come into my classroom, which I see 
is a mess behind me, but <laughs> it's uh, perfect. It's perfect drop back or backdrop for a, for a teacher. Really, it is. And they come in. Um, it's really more collaborative. We we um, they watch a lesson, me do a lesson, and we download before. And um, oh, that's cool. It's actually really great because a lot of times when you're a specialist in a building, yeah. you're just kind of just hoping you can talk to somebody who speaks your language, right? Yeah. So and you're like the only one, right? Like you're literally like the only music teacher at your right, school. <laughs> right. So it's really nice when you have other colleagues to bounce ideas off. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And you're a, are you Microsoft certified educator or something like that? I am. I, I just recently became Microsoft certified, uh, which we can talk about. And uh, also I'm level one Google um, certified. So yeah. we're, we're firmly in the Microsoft um, orbit here in Seattle Public Schools. But I think, you know, um, once you kind of have the fundies for all of those platforms, yeah. you, you can pick and choose what works best. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the reason why I really, I, I love, you know, I'm hoping because we're on the same time zones, we can do more of these together. I love having somebody else to talk with when we do these right. YouTube videos. But I think, you know, with what we're talking about today, with this idea of being a lifelong learner, you know, I think, you know, with the things that you've, you've go, gone through to become Microsoft certified and Google certified, like those are just, those are ways that we stay current, um, not only in your music field, but just also what's out there and what's going on. And, and hopefully as we go through this, I hope that we get to talk a little bit about what you're doing uh, in the music classroom uh, with your, um, your blog. And maybe we can do about that now. Cause I think that's a big part of it. I think, yeah. you know, as a, we don't always think of like tech, technology affecting music education, especially in the elementary classroom. And I think you're doing some really cool things with SoundCloud and recordings and talk to yeah. us a little bit about some of the stuff that you're producing and, and how technology is playing into that. Um, sure. We, well, years ago I used to do a blog like you when I ran into you on the thinking stick. Yeah. Um, that was really more about being a philosophy of music education. Um, we got together, there was, um, Joe Pisano, who's at Central College, um, Central Grove College, I'm getting that wrong, but he's back east. He said, I need 12, 12 music ed bloggers. And that I started that in 2004 or maybe 2007, I can't remember. Um, but in my classroom, just doing music things, it's a digital portfolio. It's just sort of a natural place to um, share students' work. And at the time, I was familiar with Blogger. And some other ways, but I thought, you know, I, I, my classroom is 500 kids, you know, yeah. um, I see every single student. So I thought I need a way to communicate with parents, um, whether I'm talking about concerts, whether I'm talking about what's happening in the classroom and WordPress worked great for me. So I have a, a WordPress blog. I, I bought my own domain, totally, you know, mrpendergrass.com, check it out. And basically um, what I do is use my posts as announcements. But in addition to that, um, I will do recordings of classes. So um, who doesn't love to hear kindergartners sing, right? So yeah, I'll, yeah. Rec I'll record that um, in GarageBand. I have a Mac in my room. I use the share function in GarageBand, which is awesome. You type in your credentials once for SoundCloud, yeah. puts it in SoundCloud, gives you the uh, embed code and I run it up to micro, uh, to WordPress and I parents, the teachers email their parents, listen to your kids. And then grandma who might live, you know, halfway across the country can check it out. And that to me has been a really um, wonderful way to showcase student work um, from singing to um, my kids just recently, my fifth grade kids did these gold rush advertisements and it was funny because I, I told them uh we're gonna do radio spots and i realized nobody listens to the radio <laughs> <laughs> so they looked at me funny and i go okay what i mean is like a pandora ad and they all shook their head oh yeah oh yeah. got it yeah yeah <laughs> said, you know when your parents are too cheap for the to, to pay for the full version yeah, and you have yeah. that you know the ad you have to watch before you can watch the youtube video that and, and i really had to say that because <laughs> Suffice it to say, they created some audio ads. I said, you have to, you can't use any um, pictures. And we tied it into this unit we were doing on the Gold Rush, the California Gold Rush. Very cool. And um, if you go to my blog, they're there. And some of them are so funny. 
Um, and because they knew it was going to be on the on the mrpendergrass.com, yeah, they really put some thought into these things. Yeah. Do you find that <clears throat> it's something that we constantly talk about um, with students is this idea that when they know it's going to be out there, right? Like if they like if I mean even you you know you can say you know this is going to go on mrpendergrass.com. Yeah. There's going to be some really good stuff. Do you find the level of engagement and the quality of what they make rise? It's, it's really true. Um, I've been teaching instrumental music for a long time, and it's like I'm playing for my parents. You know, They're going to clap no matter what. But yeah. when we sort of said, hey, we need to put something out there that anybody can listen to, yeah. um, you know, sit a little taller, we're going to take it a little yeah. more serious. Uh, when I was teaching middle school, we, we – we're doing this thing with Indaba music, which was one of the early sort of online before SoundCloud. You'd yeah. put your stuff up there. And they, they had this um, great contest where they, Yo-Yo Ma, okay? Yo-Yo Ma um, puts out a little sound clip of him playing. And he says, we want you to remix our stuff and put it up here. So I was teaching seventh grade at the time. They didn't know who Yo-Yo Ma was. And I was completely <laughs> freaking out about the greatest cellist in the world. And they're like, but it's going to be online, right? I said, yeah. And one of our kids, and it was a really great community. You know, it was um, professional musicians. And I would, I would send them little side chats. I said, hey, you know, if you can encourage my kids. And they wouldn't even do it um, sort of gratuitously. They were like, your kids are great. And one yeah. of our kids got into the top 10 because wow. it was basically on voting, you know, you just, yeah. and of course I leveraged the staff to, you know, of course, yes, of course, get to the ballot box. <laughs> but when they knew they took it seriously because, and that was probably 2007 before like YouTube viral things were taking yeah, off, like really. YouTube stars were a thing. Yeah. But I said, what if somebody listened to your work? who was a professional musician and said, Hey, I want to talk to you about collaborating. And then that became so much more real to them than just like yeah. a stupid project that we're going to do in, in the music classroom. So yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. The engagement just goes out the roof. It's yeah. Really I love awesome. it. Yeah. I love it. You know, doing some, some great stuff. And I just, uh, I always love talking to you about some of the stuff that you're always got going over there in your music classroom. So, all right, well, let's jump into some of the ways that we stayed lifelong learners. And I think, uh, at the top of the list over the last couple of days, we've kind of been putting together uh, a list here to kind of share with people of ways that we learned. And I think, uh, as I, as we were kind of making this list, I think, number one right now has got to be YouTube. Um, I mean, I was just on YouTube, I don't know, five times today, <laughs> you know, like my blog went down and I couldn't figure it out. Right. And, um, I think my favorite, you know, is just understanding. I mean, a, you, you, one thing that I love about YouTube is anybody can post stuff there and, um, you can find such a range of stuff by a range of different people. You know, I was watching a video yeah. today on something I was trying to do and I could just tell like the voice was like this, you know, I'm guessing like sixth or seventh grade girl. <laughs> and you can even hear like it was, she wasn't even, I, what was I, it was, uh, I'm, I'm writing a, a paper on a gamification in the classroom and she was walking you through like one of the gamification platforms and you could tell it was done like during class because you yeah. can hear like class noise <laughs> behind her she's walking i'm just like man and it's know, got like thousands of views right yeah exactly yeah i'm just like how incredible you know how incredible is this um i mean years but, ago i would i would be sort of geeking out on my android phones and i'd look up uh, reviews yeah. it was it was always a, a white male dude yeah you do it now and you have all kinds of kids yeah all kinds of races yeah and um they're way younger than me way smarter yeah. <laughs> and i'm like I'm watching that YouTube video because it's yeah. got so many hits and they're not, they're, they're super articulate. They know about the tech and you're like, I'm going to buy that phone based on some 12 year olds recommendation yeah. or, and because that's their thing and yeah. they can share it out. Yeah. I think especially for, for music and in, uh, like guitar or any kind of instrument instruction, it is just exponentially yeah, for, for me sure. in the classroom. We have a custodian here. He's talking to me. I, I, I said, I need to get you a guitar, Eugene. He goes, oh, that would be awesome. So I talked to the staff, gave him a guitar, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to impart my wisdom to you. Yeah. <laughs> he comes back. He goes, well, I can play all these songs now. I go, where do you get your lessons? YouTube. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's an incredible platform. Perfect. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love it. You know, it's a, it's a great, it's a, it's just a great place. And I think at the top of the list, just if you're going to be a lifelong learner, you know, dig in and, and try to stay focused on stuff that is learning focused, you know, don't yeah. watch the cat videos, which is the hardest part of YouTube. <laughs> try to stay off the cat videos, yeah. but it is. Um, number two on our list, we did podcasts and I think, you know, podcasts have made a comeback here. And I, I would say probably the last two years, all of a sudden, you know, we were podcasting, you know, in the, like 2007 through 2009, I, I have like, I went back, I've done over a hundred podcasts on different podcast channels. Um, we at Edera Learning have restarted uh, one of those podcasts called Shifting Our Schools. It comes out every Wednesday. You can find it anywhere. But, yeah. it, you know, I, all of a sudden I'm back to, I don't hardly listen to the radio anymore. My wife and I just went for a run here before it started raining and we both were listening to different podcasts, you know, on, on different topics. And there's just so much great stuff out there. Um, if you know, an audio form that you can listen in the car or while you're working out or running, or I just think, you know, it's a whole, it, it's come back, you know, it kind of lost, yeah. lost its way there for a while, but I feel like it's really coming back and there's so many great podcasts, especially educational around anything you want to do. You know, I mean, it's really, really great. So much easier. I think you're right. Podcasting was this really great idea, like 2004, 2007. My, my son tried to do a RuneCast, a, a RuneScape podcast when he was a kid. Yeah. And I, I still save that audio when I want to sort of blackmail him for a little <laughs> preteen voice. But it was, it was really difficult to sort of um, disseminate it. You know, yeah. it was more like this pretty much iTunes specific, but you and I talked about this. Um, I'm a big Google guy and Google music, even just, I think in the last, you know, 14 months, they didn't really have sort of like a dedicated podcast place. Yeah. You just go, boom, shifting our schools, subscribe. Yeah. Well, yeah. And when we started doing shifting our schools, I didn't know that um, Spotify had podcasts. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, starting to put shifting our schools together and saying, okay, I need to get it in the Apple store and the Google store. And all of a sudden it's like, well, Spotify has podcasts. I'm like, I had no idea. You know, I mean, I think everybody's kind of picking up on them, um, which is, which is great. And the other thing to your point, I think one of the reasons why they're coming back now is, is when we were doing it, like, you know, I didn't even think about this, but when we started doing shifting our schools in 2008, 2009, like the iPhone had just come out. So you had to have another device Yes. Right? Like you didn't listen to them on the flip phone. So you had to have the iPod or I remember I had a little MP3 player and so yeah. you had to download it and it was all these extra steps. I have this MP3 player with an SD card, but I got to put it on my computer to get it downloaded. Yeah. And it's 20 <laughs> steps later. You're like, I got the podcast. It's yeah, like, yeah exactly. You know, and I think just, you know, having the smartphone and, you know, with data rates being what they are, it's so easy to just like on my phone, it, I just say, Download the latest three episodes. Yes, please. And it just, you know, it doesn't think, take it long. It's not a lot of data. Most, I mean, most of our podcasts are, I'm guessing, are around like 30 megabytes, which in today's standards is nothing. Right. You know, is, uh, they're pretty small pieces. But there's so much learning to be done there. Um, if you're not listening to podcasts, I would say that would be one of my one of my things I would think about adding. And, you know, it, it takes some time to find the podcast you like. My wife yeah. and I are listening to a couple different ones at this moment together. Um, and I like listening to them because as I'm getting back into podcasting, just, you know, what what are people talking about? And there's a couple of them, you know, we listen to them. We're like, I just don't, I don't like the person. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like the voice or the audio quality is not good. Or there's just something there. And we don't give up on podcasting, but, you know, delete that podcast out of your system and find one that does work for you. Um, and I, there's just, you know, there's so many out there, so many great ones out there. You don't have to listen to the bad ones, whichever yeah. one's for you. I'll put some in the show notes for some good music ed ones that have come out over the years. There's a great okay. podcast of these young teachers. Um, I think they're in Texas. And one teaches at the elementary school that feeds into the middle school that feeds into the high school. Yeah. And I mean, you, your audience may be thinking, oh, super interesting, Ken. But for music people, when you're talking, when you're looking sort of guiding students through a whole thing, yeah, their conversations, I, I'm screaming at the speaker. And I'm like, yeah. oh, you're, you're so <laughs> right, because they're kind of struggling and they're kind of mad about it. And then my kids do this. and I'm, it's, But it's real insight into teaching, and, and especially if you're kind of you know, a specialist. Yeah. You can find podcasts really anything and and now with alexa and and all that integration yeah, exactly. i can say alexa play shifting our schools podcast and it doesn't go who yeah exactly it, it. finds it 
Yeah. And that is, that's that, you know, whole internet of things is like, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get shifting our schools on Spotify and tune in because they work with Alexa's or with uh, Google. And you can just, you know, once you tie in your account, hook your account up to it, you just say the name of whatever podcast you want. uh, And you're listening to it in your house while you're vacuuming. Well, maybe not when you're vacuuming. (laughs) Yeah. No, podcasts are great. Doing the dishes, yeah. Um, the other thing on here, and I think this is maybe a little more specific to uh, to teachers, um, but I mean, it, it is for everybody, but just Twitter hashtags. And you even added on here, you know, Twitter lists yeah. uh, for easy management. I don't use lists so much. I'm more of a hashtag guy uh, where I'll follow, like, for example, we've got a couple of conferences coming up here in February. It's kind of, February's kind of conference season. And uh, right. I've already started to follow the hashtag for those conferences. It's a great way to get to know people, see what's going on. And if you want to, man, find the hashtag. Like, if you can't go to a conference, and I'll just use ISTE as the big example in the ned tech world. If you can't go to ISTE this year, because your school doesn't have the funds or you don't have the funds and you still want to learn, man, block out those days in your calendar. Find the ISTE hashtag. It's probably going to be hashtag ISTE18. That's usually every year what it is. And you can gleam so much stuff by just following a specific hashtag. You know, and, and in schools, you know, like, I, I, is there a music ed one? Just hashtag music ed? Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot yeah. of them. Um, there's a ton of them, yeah. Music ed chat. I, I, you know, it's funny because I'm jealous NCCE that you're or yeah. you're going to. I'll be hashtagging that and then following along with you <laughs> while I'm teaching. But I think, you know, I've sort of had a love-hate relationship with Twitter until I sort of finally realized how to make it work for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And one of the things... The way I kind of use lists and I will use hashtags is I'll make a music ed list and I'll put the people I want to follow and just kind of read their tweets because I, at first it was kind of drinking out of a fire hydrant. I'm like, I got to follow all these people. And then I realized, you know, you can't do that. Yeah. Or, or I'll turn on my notifications only for a few people and then I'm on a more, but I really want to see it happen in the moment. Yeah. Or then I'll, um, but it takes a little figuring that out, but the funniest thing for Twitter and music for me, this is again back when I thought Twitter was just I took a picture of my burger, you know, <laughs> hashtag food. Yeah. But there's a guy who wrote this book called This Is Your Brain on Music. His name's Daniel Levitin. He's out of McGill University. He's amazing. It's it's a really great book for anybody who's not even a musician. And um PBS special is coming up about this book. And I was just kind of getting into Twitter. And I was following some music educators and they said, Hey, if you hashtag, I think it was his name or the thing, he's going to be talking to you during the show. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I'm watching it and my wife's there and I'm typing and, and, and I typed in something, I was kind of being facetious, like, yeah, this is your brain on, on whatever. And he typed the author Levitin, the, the dude, types back, hey, Ken, uh, thanks for joining us. And I'm pointing to the TV and pointing to my wife, that guy's talking to me on Twitter. <laughs> it was like the first so moment cool. where I realized I had access to this person who's top of his game, wrote a cool book that I really um, respected. And then I got crazy. And then they finally you know, were all typing. And he's like, we're going to take this to another forum. Um, but... Through that, I realized, you know, if I can follow Daniel Levitin or any other musician or professional person who tweets out, and usually that might just send you to um, their blog post or, or a really cool article, it, it's really worth it. You just, I mean, I know a lot of people, I don't have time for Twitter. Nobody has time for anything, but if you can manage it, I think it can be really powerful. This is where I find new stuff all. This is where I always blow you away. I'm like, hey, I found this thing, but I don't yeah, tell you on Twitter. It's like, where the heck are you from? <laughs> Yeah, it's just incredible. And I think you make a really good point is people get overwhelmed by Twitter if you think of Twitter as the entire thing. You know, and I think the, the thing that's interesting for me is when people I say, well, you know, when I'm meeting people and stuff, and I'll be like, well, you do understand that like Facebook is like two billion people. Right. But you don't you know, in Facebook, you have your 80 friends, 150 friends. Like you get to decide yeah. 
who you want those signals from. You set up that same type of system and it takes time. And to your point, right? It takes time to say, okay, I'm going to add this person to this list or I just want to get notification. There's some time management in growing that, that PLN on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've used a couple lists, um, and I don't use them just for education. I'm a big Seattle Mariners fan. So I have a list of like the Seattle Mariners, you know, and all the Seattle Mariners who have a Twitter account and all their wives who have Twitter account, because here's a little pro tip. If you want to follow any, any baseball players and want to really know what's going on behind the scenes, follow the wives. Cause they'll let you know what's going on in the lives. Like if you're really geeky, I, that's just a geeky, you know, <laughs> geeky moment. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I also have a list of just, um, all of the educators, I'm trying to put together a list of all the educators in the Pacific Northwest. So in Washington, Oregon, and Idaho, and I have a list of them just to see what's going on in my area. What are people talking about? And what are things that, you know, are happening in this area? So you can do those lists that are either localized to your area, localized to a subject, you know, like you're saying, you know, go into the hashtag. And then once you're in the hashtag, say, Ooh, that person always shares really good stuff. I'm going to add them to my list. You know, and there's a hashtag, like there's fourth grade chat and fifth grade chat and yeah. physics chat. And, you know, there's one for every subject, every, every grade level. But you have to spend that time managing it and getting it set up to, to get the reward out of it. And that, that where people, usually where you get that, like, well, I don't have the time. Well, you're right. But if you spend a little bit of time now, yeah, yeah it just comes, right? Like that's, it just, you know, once you set it up, it, it just kind of flows, so... Here in, here in West Seattle, we have um, the West Seattle blog, which is basically gossip columnist, police blotter, um, <laughs> it's, and, and anything that happens in this little area of West Seattle. And they'll put out traffic alerts way before um, SDOT does. You know, it's, oh, uh, yeah. And, um, I mean, that's just sort of a more practical way to use it. But um, if I found an author who's um, – if I'm at a PD and someone says, you got to read this book by this author, I immediately go look for them on Twitter Yeah, because usually they're probably blogging or yeah. they're sending um, even to higher ed or they're doing some really in-depth articles maybe you're going to need for some kind of study down the road. And they usually tweet that stuff out because they're, they're trying to promote their things too. And you get into this good, as you say, that PLN idea, the personal learning network, yeah. where you're not just – it's not everybody because, you know, Twitter wants to recommend all the stuff to you based on. Yeah. And there are a lot of good clients, Twitter, Twitter clients that are a little more pared down if Twitter just seems too crazy for you. Yeah. But, and we'll, we'll put, we'll put links to those in the, yeah. in the show notes. I like Hootsuite. I know that's what I use. What do you use? Um, I used Hootsuite for a while. And then um, um, on, on Android, I used um I forget what it's called, uh, Talon maybe or okay, Talon. Yeah, just, uh, just a little deck. bit more. Yeah, de- I've used TweetDeck yeah. when I'm on they, my computer. So I love yeah. to do that. And you can find the one that works for you. You know, I mean, yeah. they're all I mean, the one that allows you to see lists or see hashtags. You know, so you're not always going back and looking for this. Right. Yeah. I think the next one um, that is really uh, the thing that I found interesting is this next tool is called Flipboard. And Flipboard, um, for a while, and I'm not sure if it still is, but I know on a bunch of Samsung phones was being um, pre-installed. And so it really grew an audience quite quickly in being pre-installed on a bunch of phones. What I love about Flipboard, though, is it's kind of a curated list. I don't know how else to say it. It's kind of a curated article. It's a magazine. Yeah. Um, beautiful. What I love most about Flipboard is it's a beautiful reading experience. Um, and it does now work on the web when they first started. They're very interesting with Flipboard is it started out as a mobile app on you know, it was designed for smartphones and then they created the web version as well. Um, but it's got some really great features of being able to save articles. Like I've got so many articles saved in there and I'm just always like, okay, I know I read that article somewhere and I can go back in and they're all saved right in the app. Uh, just a beautiful reading experience. And then there's so much you can do with it in the classroom, which we're not going to get into now, but, um, you know, really it's just, a, it's, I, you can add RSS feeds to it as well. So yeah. really I use it as like an RSS reader where like, I will take your blog, you know, mrpendergrass.com and I can put it in there and then it just pulls those RSS. Yeah. Feeds. So I use it a lot like that as well. It looks great on an iPad cause it's got that yeah, kind of magazine great. layout and it uh, tends to take the images and put them forward, which is really catchy. Yeah. 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 It's just nice. It's just a nice reading experience for sure. A nice little community there. 
Yeah. And you can, you can, you can go in and you can actually search for the topics that you want to follow. So like I follow, you know, education, I follow technology, I follow, you know, what the Mariners, <laughs> you know, and, and then it just, the nice thing is, is it combines all those, like when it creates your, uh, with Eclipse, your flipboard for you, it's combining your different interests together. So I'm not always reading education stuff. You know, it's my, that's which one thing I love about it where I try to get teachers to go to is like set up systems that aren't just about your work, but they also have to include your passion because that'll make you go to them. So I go into Flipboard and I'm reading something about the Mariners and right next to it is, you know, five ways to use Google maps in the classroom. And I'm like, sweet, I'll, you know, I'll read that real quick as well. And so being able to cross over those interests, I think is a, is a big one uh, as well. Pinterest. Well, you know, I just put that there uh, because for some, for some reason, Pinterest is huge in the music world. That's wow. because we all like to take pictures of our classroom bulletin boards and put them on yes. Pinterest. It's big an education <laughs> for that, right? It's huge. And I, I used to think it was just for um, quilting circles or something. You yeah. Know? <laughs> um, and don't throw things at me, but, um, and I, I kind of put my account away, but I think it's similar to Flipboard in that it, you know, it, it provides you stuff um sort of um promoted content but at the same time you can sort of make your own pinterest boards um i i don't use it as much as i should but when anybody says um anybody says i need some inspiration for a bulletin board in my classroom and usually that's in my case it has nothing that's definitely about artistic things it's about teaching something and i'll go and find the coolest way to um portray a music concept that I just would have never thought of. And, and yeah. I seems Pinterest seems for music and education, um, at least from a visual standpoint is a, if you're just like stuck, you know, you can go yeah. just kind of like, Whoa, that's cool. And flip through stuff. I have a, a friend who's a second grade teacher. And every time I walk into her classroom, I mean, her classroom is always so clean and so spotless and she's got it so well organized. And I'll walk into her classroom. I'm like, Oh, that is such a cool way to organize that. How, how did you come up with that? She's like, every answer is like Pinterest, Pinterest, Pinterest. Yeah. Pinterest. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> you would think I'd stop asking after a while that I know that's where she goes for, for her stuff. Um, one, I think in education that gets overlooked a lot. And I know that Kim and Chrissy are going to be rolling their eyes when they go back and listen to this. Cause I'm constantly going on about Google plus, you know, people, yeah. you know, Google plus has gotten a bad rap and people, you know, you always will read, um, You'll read articles about Google Plus like, oh, it's dying, it failed. And it depends, I guess, on how you consider failure. I mean, there are over 300 million active users. That's basically everybody in the United States using Google Plus. I don't call that a failure. If you're comparing it to the 2 billion people that use Facebook, sure, there's an economy of scale there. But I think, you know, because so many school districts are are going Google apps and going Chromebooks that there is a rich, I mean, really, really rich educational community in Google plus. And what I have found about Google plus is, you know, much like we were saying with Twitter where you might follow a hashtag or you create your list of people to follow in Google plus, it's all about the communities. Like I don't follow people in, in yeah. Google plus I find my communities and you know, you can just do a search. Like I do a search for educational technology or I do a search for genius hour, or I do a search for inquiry based yeah. learning. And I look for the communities um, that reach that topic, man. It is just, it is so, so rich and so vibrant um, in there as well. It's just incredible. I love it. I was a shameless Google fanboy for years. And when Google plus came out, I'm just like, I'm going to make this work. And in the way that I think they wanted it to work, like Facebook, it yeah. didn't didn't work. But since you've turned me back onto it with um, like GEG and some of these communities, it's it's really great because it's sort of it kind of went through its phase, and now I think people are really serious about doing really, particularly in the areas of education yeah. and probably anything. Um, the posts are are great. You know, yeah. Reddit Reddit has its place. I think you know my my sons who are in their twenties have turned me onto Reddit, yeah. but. I, I'm I'm too scared to go on Reddit. I'm too dumb to talk to those people because they're, they're, they're kind of mean, you know. But I think with the Google Plus, if you get in the right community and you set up your notifications, which is how I found out about this YouTube Live, yeah. By the way, is yeah. um, a, a pretty good way to go. Yeah, 
I agree. It's a great one. How about audible books? Do you, do you listen to a lot of audible books? You know, I mean, reading is always a great way. Let's yeah. not like, there are some great books out there. And if you haven't bought your edition of your connected classroom over on Amazon, that was written by Kim and Chrissy and I yeah, reviewed, by that now. reviewed by me, but reviewed by, by Ken. Um, it's, it's a you great, should go do that great. now. I mean, books are good, but, um, and maybe this is like, I don't know if you, I, I watch YouTube videos. I listen to podcasts. I listen to audible books. I'm very much auditory yeah. in my learning. I always have been. Um, but well, man, I, traveling I so much, I think you probably have a, well, and I think that's it, you know, for yeah. people that have a long commute time, um, you know, audible books are, are just incredible. I, I had to drive over to Spokane and back about a four hour, four or four and a half hour drive either way. And it's, it's crazy because I find myself excited now for drives. I'm like, ooh, I can get, you know, <laughs> this is an eight-hour book. I'm going to finish this book in this drive. And I just, you know, put on the book. You don't have to worry about your, your radio station coming in and out. It's good quality system through the, yeah. you know, through the car, car system and, and just go, man. They're just they're incredible. I love it as a way to learn. I'm, I'm gobbling up all kinds of stuff um, from education to business to stories to fiction, nonfiction. I mean, there is something there, history, stuff, something there for everybody. It's just a, it's a great way. Yeah, I do those mostly when I travel. And if my commute were longer, I, yeah. I, my commute is so, so short, I don't even want to tell anybody I drive. Yeah. You know, but uh, I, I do find those to be um, awesome ways to get into the meat of some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Some meat of stuff. So you put in here RSS feeds um, yeah. and Feedly. And I find that interesting because, you know, when I feel like RSS feeds, you know, they were really there. I mean, that's what podcasts today, podcasts are still built on an RSS feed, you know, and they really are a foundation of the internet. If you're an internet geek, man, you know, RSS really is the foundation of what it is today. But you know, ever since Google, Google reader went away, I know I've just never, I mean, I use Flipboard that way. Like if I find a good, you know, a good blog or something I want to follow, I throw that in my Flipboard. But uh, I know a lot of people that use Feedly. You, you like Feedly? You like the way it's laid out? I, I do. I, I'm with you. When Google Reader went away, I was in like in mourning for days. Yeah, I'm know. like, this just works. Yeah. And the cool features, I could set up groups to share when I was like really following some stuff. And I, I, it was just easy to use. And so when I started looking around, Feedly was recommended. I think in its early days, it, it, I struggled with it. But just the, the, just the idea of having content come to you rather than going out to get it is yeah. what turned me on to RSS feeds in the early days. Yeah, for sure. I keep track of a lot of blogs. Um, and I liked the way that it would, um, you know, a lot of blogs have all these um, wi- uh, menus and widgets. And I was like, I get to the meat of the thing. And it yeah, would just send it. And the thing is, it's incredible how many other, like podcasting was built on the RSS feed and still is. Like yeah. if you want to put a podcast in iTunes, you give them an RSS feed to a blog. Like your, your audio file has got to be, stored somewhere. But even like, if you think of Facebook, Facebook is really built on top of RSS. I post something on my wall and when you and I become, when we have that friend connection, you basically are grabbing my RSS feed and it shows my stuff shows up in your wall. I mean, it's, you start looking at how many of the social networks are really built on, and they don't use RSS now, of course, but you know, it's built on that same foundation of, I just want one place to go and I want the (laughs) internet to me instead of me going to the internet and to me that is the big switch i mean and as you hear us talk about all these different tools to me that is the big switch is how do you if you're if we're talking about being a lifelong learner today where you know you feel like you're you're drinking from the fire hose of information right how do you flip the internet on its head and you start to have the good stuff find you instead of you finding the good stuff that's exactly and right that takes some time like we've been talking i mean it takes some time <laughs> to set these systems up but once you have them set up it's incredible. Like even like you were saying, the amount of stuff that every time we talk, you're like, "Oh, have you heard this? Have you heard that?" And I'm like, "No, no." But your your system is different than my system, right? right? And so we're getting this. You know, it's a uh, it's 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 so so powerful when we talk about the idea of lifelong learning. If you can get to a point where you don't feel like I'm constantly out there looking for stuff, you know, how do you? I get asked all the time, "How do you know all of this stuff? You must just spend your entire time searching the internet." <laughs> Do you ever get that? You must yeah. get that. Well, yeah, and it's like, how do you flip it, right? And I, and I love being in that position, yeah. but you know, don't look behind the mind behind the curtain. You know, it's like, I think I think about my dad, 
he subscribed to our local newspaper. He subscribed to the New York Times. He had a couple magazines. And when he'd come home from work, he had this big stack of stuff. He'd watch the evening news and he would unwind. Local news first. Got to get local news. Yeah. How are the cowboys doing? That was my high school. They stink, of course, whatever. Go through the whole thing. My thing, when I come home, I sit down, I open Feedly, and I just scroll through stuff. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, I find something. Um, and most readers have something like this. I, I long press it and read later. Yeah. Or I dig down. And that's my, it's like what my dad did. That's how, yeah. and I learned that from him. He, he still is a lifelong learner. He's not as much into tech as I am, and I got to help him out these days. But it's the same idea, you know, but it just comes at us at such a tremendous force. You've got to kind of pick one or two things. And then from there, as you, you know, for me, I just love Feely because I can scroll through yeah, it's um, fast. and get through it. And then I can dig down if I need to. Yeah. And that's what you do when you scan a newspaper in the old days or even pick up a book or you go to a magazine. Yeah. I think <clears> that's <throat> a great analogy because you're right. I mean, people are like, well, I don't have time to read everything. You don't read everything. You don't read yeah. it. I don't know anybody that reads the newspaper front to back. Like you're right. saying, you go to this section, you scan it, you grab the headline that looks good for you because if it happens to be something you're interested in or whatever. And the rest of the stuff goes by the wayside. You know, and, I, and you have to, you have to kind of treat once you get your system set up, you know, and you just que- you keep tweaking the system. Like I'm constantly like adding this one, deleting right. that one, adding this one, deleting that one. Okay. I'll add that one back in for a while. Or this person stops, yeah. you know, this person stopped blogging. So I'll take them out and I'll add a new one in and, you know, it's a constant adjustment, but man, it's so, so powerful. So, and I, I think, you know, just this maybe for another time, but it's funny because, um, if it wasn't printed in the New York Times, it probably, or Washington Post or whatever, pick a great newspaper of past eras, probably still great, probably maybe not so reliable. Yeah. And, and I know Idura has a lot of um, great resources for this about fake news. But it's funny because my parents now who are using iPhones and iPads and stuff, you know, I, I have to tell them just because it came through the device it's not magic or it's not definitive. Yeah. And it's funny because they would know that if I, if I had, you know, the globe or some racy magazine that's in the, it's in the supermarket aisles. And I'd say, Oh, this is an important story. No, this is not important. But it's funny. I think for a different generation, if it comes to a device, it must be true. I read yeah, it on Facebook. Sure. It's like, you still got a vet. Yeah, still got a vet. Got to vet everything. Yeah. The next one on our list is uh, webinars, and you know, here at Edera Learning, we run webinars. Uh, there'll be a webinar here in a couple of weeks. Uh, make sure you um, are subscribed to our newsletter. You can do that over at EduraLearning.com. dot um, But you know, webinars, especially what I love about webinars are twofold. One, I love being engaged in synchronous that synchronous moment. Yep. You know, like you were saying when you were watching the PBS and all of a sudden you're, you're in, you're in it with others, you know, who are there for the same reason. And many of the tools we've talked about so far are asynchronous and that, you know, I can come and go yeah. whenever I please in my 10 minutes. But I love when I find a good webinar, um, it's so great to be in that moment with other people going through that experience with other people. Um, and there are so many great webinars and most of them, like the ones we run into Dura learning are free. You know, they're very easy to, to just get into You sign up for them. You get a link and, you know, give yourself a half hour to be a learner, give yourself yep. an hour to do your learning that day. And you get to be in there with incredible other people, you know, who are interested and passionate about that same topic that you are in that moment. And I think um, companies have realized, so for example, I use this program, uh, NoteFlight, which is a great online music education program, uh, music notation program. Um, They recently were doing some Google Classroom integration, go to our webinar. And I was so glad because I thought, how are they going to do that? You know, I'm pretty techie guy, but I still want somebody to walk me through and watch it on the screen. That's another thing I love about webinars. If you're, when a company rolls out a new thing, um, they realize um, these are really great ways kind of, and they can, you can always go back and check them too. Usually they're, they're They're recorded. Yeah. Good ones are usually recorded. Yeah, exactly. But if you're there, I I like to see, I like to watch somebody go, Oh, okay. There's where you click the mouse and do this. Oh, I see. And then I can kind of in the back channel type in, what did you mean by that? And then we'll get to that. That's a super cool way, especially when a new thing rolls out. I totally agree. Everybody runs, has some kind of 
webinar slash tutorial yeah. when they when they roll out a new thing because they know we got to things are changing so we're going to push out something and we're not going to leave you hanging so yeah and i mean that's one the the reason why i love it i love to engage with the audience you know and this is great like we're doing a youtube live and we'll turn this into a podcast but there's no interaction with the audience in the moment you know like somebody writes us right. a review later or a question later we can do that but there's something about in that moment synchronous human connection right yeah. human to human connection and if we could all be in a room together that would be great but traffic is bad in seattle you're in west seattle <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Queen Anne. Yeah, that's this right. Is, this is second best, right? And then I would say asynchronous, you know, goes down from there. Yeah. So, you know, webinars, if you can find a good one on the web, you know, give yourself some time. I always like to do my webinars with my favorite beverage, and I'll just leave it at beverage. You can make your beverage be whatever it is. Yeah. But, uh, but to your point, too, where you can ask people, you know, where you're watching people walk through mm-hmm. things, and then you can say okay, well, well I, I missed that part. Could you go back and, right. or explain that a little bit different? Um, actually, we're going, I went through one the other day because uh, QuickBooks, which we use to run finances, right? Somebody did a couple of different updates and I was like, I've got to, I got to find somebody, right? I got And so they yeah. happened to be doing a webinar for this new thing they were pushing out and be able to go in there and say, okay, well, this is my company. This is exactly how we have it set up. How's this going to affect us? Or what could we do differently? And, and you have that in the moment, um, you know, with both the presenter and everybody else in the forum, you know, so you really have this, this, this nice group chat. So yeah, find yourself some good webinars and give yourself some time for sure. That's, mm-hmm. that's a good the last one we said then is like online certifications. You know, there's the Google education cert, there's the Microsoft and education cert, um, you know, at Edera learning, we have, um, I don't know, we have them one-to-one teacher certification. We have the coach certification. Uh, we've got all these. So we've got the Cotel program certification of educational technology and information literacy. Um, why, what do you like about doing a certification program? Like in your mind, why, you know, you're both, you know, a Google and a Microsoft. Yeah. Why do you like doing that? Is it like, you know, what, what does it give you other than the cool badge? You get to put that cool well, badge. I'm just going to actually say, cause I get the cool badge. Yeah. But I mean, Think about your students, whether current classroom or past classrooms. You know, uh, there's going to be a carrot for those kids. It's the final product. It's the final concert in my case or the thing that's going to be online. <clears throat> I think to, to know if I'm going to spend some time learning this stuff, I want to be sort of recognized. And that's important. But at the same time, uh, as new things roll out, um, I, I think Microsoft and Google in particular want to get more people using this stuff. So instead of, I think it's the next step of a webinar that says, you know, did you really get this? And we're going to test you. And, and, you know, I I remember nervous for that level one thing with Google and you got to have your camera on and do all this stuff, but I'm really glad I did it because I thought I knew, I mean, I was pretty smug about my Google, you know, um, knowledge, how do you (laughs) knowledge? Yeah. Everybody's coming to me and I'm like, not so much. And then, then it helped me just become better. And I I also know, particularly in the Microsoft arena, a lot of schools are using Schoology. And when you get, when you find the link into the Microsoft thing, even just the little videos, even if you don't take the test and it's typically, you know, um, of multiple choice and your times and, and you can take it so many times in a day. So it's pretty good that way. Um, and you get frustrated when you keep missing that one question you thought you knew, yeah. but it really does give you, um, it says, yeah, I know my stuff and, uh, and it usually sends you off on good rabbit trails for the things that you really want to drill down to, to use with your students or just on your own learning, you know? Yeah. And, and I think what I, what I like about them is I know that, you know, a good certification program is vetted. You know, you can, yeah. you can spend all your time trying to, you know, you can learn Google by going to YouTube and just doing the search or I'll just use YouTube as an example. You know, we have a Google suites for educators account. You take our online course and our online course, you know, we have vetted the videos. We have created the videos we have, we walk you through. And so it's not just some random person. Like there's a quality behind it um, that I think you just expect. And, and this is the only one out of everything we've talked about really, that is like usually pay for these in some way. I think Google, you have to pay for the test. Uh, Microsoft, I'm not sure what they're, how they do it. Um, I think if you get into deeper levels, there's more paid, but I think it does worth it because it's, it's resume stuff, you know? Right. Um, and like you said, 
uh, it's a perfect opportunity for PD because a lot of these places like Idaro and um, even in Seattle public schools, we just had a meeting yesterday and they're starting to put courses when it, um, you mentioned traffic in Seattle, you know, we're finally realizing why do I need to drive across town for some PD when we can, you know, we're sort of getting smart about that. And they're saying, Hey, yeah. you can go on there and you can get some clock cars, um, which you think we'd be doing a lot of. It's, it's just kind of now rolling out, which is really great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think you have, you pay for a lot of these online courses and I'm just, you know, I'll use there as an example. I mean, when you pay for a course, what you're paying for is one, you'll have an instructor. So now you're not just doing this alone. If you have those questions, you have somebody in your back pocket that you can say, I don't get this. I don't get that. Can we jump on a Skype call? You have somebody to email to support you through your learning. That's number one. Number two, you're also paying for, we had to pay somebody to create that course for us, right? Like we are going to take your time and I'll just use you as an example. You know, we paid you to create a, for us, Microsoft, these courses on Microsoft suite for, for education. You know, we, we want to value your time. (laughs) And if you, if, when, when you take one of our courses, know that, and this is, and I use, just use us as an example, but I would say any good online course you know, their people's time is worth something and we're going to create a great product and it's going to have to cost a little thing because people's time costs money, you know, and, and you can pay for that in, you know, if you go to YouTube, you're paying with your attention because there's little ads that pop up at the bottom and those people are still getting paid or you can, you know, pay somebody and pay an instructor saying, thank you for putting this together for me and be there to support me throughout the process. Um, And I think that is just a, a great a great way to look at, yeah. at different certifications. And to your point, the badging, you know, I know, I know people yeah. all over the place that have gotten jobs or have been able to move up because they were a Google, a Google certified trainer. Right. You know, I'm a Google certified trainer. I can get a job at a school with that badge. That badge means something. You know, we also, you know, at Eduro, we run the COTEL program, the certificate of educational technology. Cotel <laughs> Certificate of Educational Technology and Information Literacy. I've said yeah. that so many times, you don't think I'd have to remember. <laughs> but, you know, we started that for international educators overseas, and it means something within the educational yeah. world. Like, if you go to a job fair and you're trying to find a new job at a new international school, and you have the Cotel <laughs> Certificate, man, we I can't tell you how many times I've actually had superintendents and principals email me and say, Hey, I have somebody sitting in front of me. They are a Cotel grad. What can you tell me about them? Yeah. You know, the, the, those certificates mean something. They're really powerful ways to, to kind of quote unquote, level up your learning, I guess. Well, and um, you know, part of being a professional yeah, uh, lawyer, teacher is staying on top of your craft. I, I need to know my discipline and it's changing all the time. And if I'm not at least doing something, this is why we have professional development. And a lot of us know that when it's fed to us or given to us, it's often not as engaging because it's right. required. This happens to a lot of us who are specialists who, who, because we're in the building, have to go to a math training that has nothing to do with music. That doesn't mean we can't glean stuff. But when I can go to Eduro or I can go to Google and I'm like, I'm going to use that stuff tomorrow and it's going to go on my resume and it lets people know that I'm not just doing dittos in the classroom or whatever. You're basically saying I'm taking my job as a lifelong learner seriously. And then you don't, and also you don't get stuck. Yeah. I love that idea. How do I, Oh man, I'm so bummed out being a teacher. Whoa, hold on. Have you tried this, you know, looking into something new. I mean, yeah. I, I do wake up some days and at the end of the day go, Oh my gosh, I'm so bummed out. I'm a teacher. <laughs> but at the same time I go, listen, you, you have the opportunity more than anybody to go get more training to, yeah. uh, because my school district wants it. My, my students, my parents demand it and my students yeah. need it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the wonderful thing about being an educator. It's also the, the worst thing sometimes because there's always yeah, more to learn, so but still yeah. you're just like, bring it. So it's and to your point, I think for me, that's part of being a professional. Like, yeah. you know, I, I always, I, sometimes in trainings, I, I'll, I'll say is like, you know, if you had, a, if you went to a doctor who said, you know what, I graduated with my doctor's degree in 1984 and I haven't gone back and done anything, yeah. you would probably run out of the building. <laughs> I would hope you would, right? We expect our professionals, you know, or I'm a lawyer and, you know, the last law book that I looked at was from 1987. 
you know? So, but don't right. worry, I'm going to, you know, or I'm a CPA and I haven't taken a class in 10 years on the tax laws. Like yeah. those people, you would, you would turn and run away. And I think if we want to be treated like professionals, we have to stay up on our game. I mean, this thing is constantly changing, not just the tools, but the different approaches, yeah. different things that are coming around. When it comes to online courses, one of the things I would, I would strongly advise people look for is make sure it's got something behind it. You know, for example, at, at Edera Learning, all, not all of our courses, but most of our courses, and they all will be because it takes some time, but they, have, they are, all have syllabus that have been approved by university. You know, we're, we're not just talking like a bunch of people throwing some, you know, some crap together, excuse my language. Yeah. We've actually gone through a process that is based in real learning theory and leads to something greater. Like you're going to get something out of this. And I, I you know, you're, it's so true. You got to stay on top of your game yeah. as an educator. You know, this stuff constantly is changing and, and that should excite you. You know, learning as an educator should excite you. I mean, the reason why... I became a teacher is because I was like, I love learning and what better place to do that than to just always be in a school. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> just That's surrounded true. around it, but you know, so cool. So, yeah. well, thank you, sir, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been great uh, doing this and hopefully we'll have you back on in the future. It's great. We're on the same time zone and we can do this after school. I know we had to wait just a little bit for you to get to school. Out our yeah. time. It wasn't quite right. You kids get out of here. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that will do it for this Eduro learning live stream. Catch us next week when Kim Cafino talks about the top five strategies for your coaching toolkit. Until then, make sure you check us out on the video here on YouTube or Facebook. All of these are updated to our Facebook page. So you can go to facebook.com slash learning. Follow us there. We become part of your PLN there. Um, you can find the videos uh, anywhere else that you can find. And also check out our podcast channel. This will probably become a podcast. We'll download this, this whole series that we're doing on becoming a lifelong learner. Um, we'll be downloading this and releasing this as a series right now. We're probably into March or April by the time that comes out, but uh, it's great. Thank you again, Ken. Appreciate you spending the night with me. Thank you everybody until next time. We'll see you on the network. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.